It's time for Tin Pan Diddly Doo with Haley, Rose, and Blues. We'll talk about musicals from the past and the score and the culture and cast. From the early days of theater to the modern renaissance. Be it wild, experimental, or the same old song and dance. We've got trivia behind the scenes and everything you want. And our personal input to the things that make us happy. That make us blue. <laughs> nice. The stuff that's vapid and sappy. And the moments that shine through, shine through. Why not sit on down for an hour or two as we edutain you? Come and satisfy your craving for a podcast with possess. The audience is raving for the content this one has. And, and since the intro's nearly through, welcome to Tin Pan Diddly Do. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereupon. Welcome back to Tin Pan Diddly Doo, a stupidly named musical theater history podcast. I'm your director, Lily Blue. And I'm your gaffer girl, uh, Haley Rose, or should I say, Je suis une femme gaffer. That's French, baby. Do you know, do you know France? Have you ever heard of France? I've definitely heard of France, and I've you heard. Okay, so you've heard of it. I've heard. I've never been there. I've sung songs in French before, though. Okay, like, uh, I ha- I actually took uh, six six years of French. Six years. Mm-hmm. Six years of French. So I'm basically fluent. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I took it from middle school till high school. Wow. Um. So I can say wonderful phrases like um. Uh. Bonjour, mon petit fromage. Means uh, hello, my oh. little cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never talk to your cheese. <laughs> no, I'll tell you one thing: the French definitely talk to their cheese. They definitely don't. They definitely do. They love cheese over there. I hope there's no one French listening to this podcast. They're going to be so well, offended. This is an English-speaking podcast. Sure. And if anyone who is listening is French and they speak English as well. Um you're welcome for the shout out. So uh <laughs> but no I I've always been a Francophile. I love um I've always been a big fan. I mean until recent years I've been a fan of France. Uh-huh. I mean there's every nation is problematic. I and mean, this isn't a political podcast, but you know, I like I like French culture. I like French well, food. Well, I mean, you say that, but musicals can be oddly political. So, oh, yeah. Well, like what? Um, well, we're talking about France, so I guess a good example would be Les Mis because mm-hmm. uh, that whole musical is about the French Revolution. Oh, Les Miserables. Yeah, Les Miserables. It's about, or Les Miserables. It's about, it's about angry lesbians. <laughs> no. In France, fighting no, for their rights. It is not. There are no okay. lesbians to be seen in this musical, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. What about the lady? 
the one lady. Yeah, that one lady that's, uh, she's Sasha Baron Cohen's wife. Helena Bottom Carter. Mm, no. So I've I've seen Les Mis, the movie, and that's it. Oh, yikes. Um, that's my full exposure to Les Miserables, mm-hmm. um, is the movie from 2000, what was that, 2012? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Had to be later yes. than that. Yes, correct. It's 2012? Yes. So that was my, that's my only exposure to Les Mis. So did I get a good scoop of the ice cream from that one? She's not, I mean, no. No, I'm not talking about whether or not the character's a lesbian. I'm talking about about whether or not the movie Les Miserables is good. Um, it's, uh, as far, uh, as far as like, movie adaptions of musicals go it's one of the better ones that's interesting um it's i mean here's my okay this is like when it comes to movie film adaptions of musicals or like filmed musicals i prefer musicals that were performed on a stage in front of an audience and then videotaped I think that's the way, if you're going to videotape a musical, that's the way it should be done because that's the way it was intended to be viewed with a live audience like reacting real time to what's going on. And I think recording it the way that this one was made, where it's just like a movie with no audience, I think sterilizes it in a way and makes it feel ridiculous and fake, which like musicals are ridiculous. That's the thing. But like having an audience there experiencing it is what makes it more real. Having like that immediate feedback. The suspension of disbelief. Right, exactly. Of being like there. Yes. And so watching this musical, which is all singing, it's entirely singing. There's no dialogue in Les Mis. Watching a movie that's literally just entirely singing is like... There's dialogue, right? No. No? There are parts of that are spoken... Okay. Um. And when like so depending on who, how the music director feels, or the director, or the actor, or whatever, there are some parts that get spoken, but it's all over music. Like the whole musical is three hours of music scored. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's really impressive. That's really damn impressive. Honestly. Yeah. Yes. For a modern musical to, because this came out when? Uh, nineteen eighty. I'm at the bottom of my page. I'm sorry. Uh, nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Okay. So that explains in the original cast recording all of the bloopy synth piano. Yeah. Well, okay, so here's the story. Here's Okay, so the thing about Les Mis is it was actually originally written in French. Okay. Um, and it was well, originally the, released as a French book. concept album. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, the book, but the... Uh, so the book is the basis for the musical, right? But right. the original musical was first released as a French concept album. The whole, all of the, di- like, all of the lyrics were written in French. By, like, a band? No, by uh, Claude Michael Schoenberg and Alan... Like the French Beatles? Alan- Le- no. The Beatles? No. Claude Michael Schoenberg wrote the music, and Alan Boublil wrote the lyrics, um, <laughs> with Jean-Marc Nattel. Please don't be immature on my musical theater podcast. I will fire you. <laughs> You can go work okay. for Book of Mormon. Okay, I'll go. Do you want to act Book like that? Mormon. All right. Tell me more about Jean Jean. We're Jean in serious Michael. we're in serious French mode today. Tell me about Michael Bublil. 
So, um, no, it's Claude Michael Schonberg and Alan Bublil. So they wrote the original version. Um, and so then they took it to Cameron McIntosh, which, ding, 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 you might recognize that name because he was the producer of Cats. Oh, uh-huh. big famous uh, Cameron McIntosh is a big name. You, everybody, he's a big sh- deal. He's a he's a huge deal. He's he's a guy with lots of money, and he's he's produced a lot of musicals. So he's he's like the big. He's like the big. Is he okay? Is he gay? Probably. Okay, that's know. all I needed to know. So he's just like this big fancy lad. Yeah, with I a mean, lot of money. Yeah, I mean he's seventy one. So he he's currently seventy one. Yes, currently, as oh. of today. Well, not as of that, today. You make him sound like some currently. guy who's like, so long as Broadway has existed, so has Cameron McIntosh. Well, I mean, that's not completely inaccurate. Like, he, he, er, some early productions include Anything Goes in 1969 in London, um, and Side by Side by Sondheim and My Fair Lady, okay. um, and Phantom of the Opera. And Titanic and Miss Saigon. So, so long as there has been Broadway, so has there been Cameron Mackintosh. Yeah, I mean, at least since the seventies, he's been producing stuff since the seventies, and then he got swept up doing Disney stuff. Oh, so like um, all the modern Disney. Yeah, so like Mary Poppins was his. Cool. Um, the movie. He or the also stage production? also guess what else he's responsible for? What? Hamilton. What? Yes. He was the one that gave Lynn enough money to do previews of Hamilton in December of 2017. <laughs> well, Sorry, in that's London. What we do. That's what we do every time Hamilton gets mentioned on this podcast. It hasn't happened yet, but that's going to be a recurring segment. Well, on my end, you cut out, so I don't know what happened there. I rang a bell a lot. Okay, good. Um... Yeah. Oh, he also did Little Shop of Horrors and Sweeney Todd and Kinky Boots. Wow. So this guy's Avenue just like, Q. this guy's just the biggest deal. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's a big deal. His net okay. worth is 1.5 billion pounds as of April of 2018. Shiminy Willikers. And yes, he's gay. His partner is Michael, Michael Lipportrench. I don't know how to say that. A French... Gay partner, I or French dis, of descendant. Yeah, don't know that he's necessarily. Hang French, on, but. so I just want to state up front while we're here talking about Les Miserables. Yeah, there's gay, and then there's French gay. <laughs> there's two discrete levels of gay. <laughs> you can gay. be as you can be the gayest person in America, and there's still like six levels below maximum gay in France <laughs> that are more gay than you. So uh-huh. I'm just saying. French gay takes Just it saying. out of the fucking world. Sure. Um, French aristocracy wore makeup. The the men wore makeup in the f-ing times of like gay people were allegedly like demons. Yeah, no. Sh- yeah, no, I'm hearing you. There's just man all right sorry continue about less miserables and our good good friend Cameron. (laughs) Uh, Yes, so Mr. McIntosh. So these two folks who wrote uh so claude michael schoenberg specifically uh about six months afterwards uh he received a copy of the french album from uh peter farrago who's a director okay. um, and farrago was super impressed by the work and he was like hey matt hey cameron i want you to produce this in english 
And at first he was like, eh, I don't know. So it seems then intense. They, huh? Seems intense. That's kind of a big yeah. ask is like, put on this crazy concept opera I made in English, translate it and produce it. Right, exactly. Um, so he got in touch with the Royal Shakespeare Company and they put a team together to adapt it for a British audience. And then it took about two years. And then the very first English language version opened in London on the 8th of October in 1985. So that was the original one. Yeah, the original one was a West End production. Okay, so this is not actually, this is an import Yeah, to Broadway. It is an import, but it became one of Broadway's biggest musicals. Right. Um, so the production is, the London production is still running. Wowzers. Um, so it's the longest running musical in the West End. Um, and, uh, it used to be, it was pretty, it was high on the list of longest running musicals. Uh, it's number five under cats, which is number four. Uh, Lion King is number three. The Re- revival of Chicago cats. is number two and Phantom of the Opera is number one. Cats. I know. This, for some some reason, the Wikipedia page says it's the second longest running musical in the world after the original off-Broadway run of The Fantastics, but that has to be outdated. Hmm. No, I mean, maybe in the world, like, the West End version, like, the original London production, the West End, okay, that's what this means. The original London West End production is the second longest running musical in the world. Okay. Right after the original off-Broadway run of The Fantastics, which isn't included on the longest-running list of Broadway shows because it's not a Broadway show. It's an off-Broadway show, which is really unfortunate. We should talk about The Fantastics next because that's one of my favorites. We will. Um, so, about the musical. So, yes. yes. Um, so, it was originally written by Claude Michael Schoenberg and Alan Bubiel, but they get credit for the English version, like, all the time. Like, if you buy sheet music... Uh-huh. Um, it has their names on the top, which they didn't write the lyrics for the English version. The English yeah, version, but they wrote the music. Yes, yes. Uh, the so English you would version. Credit them on the music. Sure, but like maybe Claude Michael Schoenberg. But Alan oh yeah, Google were they like get any credit because he were they did the like French a lyrics. were they a super gay tag team as well? Like like Rogers oh yeah and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, sure cool. I don't know. Uh, the uh, only other thing I know that they wrote. Uh, besides Miss Saigon and The Pirate Queen are the only other two musicals I know that they wrote. Okay. Well, those are big. Uh, kinda. Pirate Queen flopped, unfortunately. It's such a good musical, though. I'm so sad. Well, I've heard of both of them, and I'm the lay You've heard of here, Pirate so. Queen? Really? I've, I've heard of... Pi- I've run in musical theater circles before. Huh. So, like... I'm not as lay as the as like you know Joanne and Cletus, but like right. Well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just surprised because I didn't even know about Pirate Queen until I got into high school, and my teacher was my voice teacher was like, "You need to sing this song," and I had never heard of it, and I listened to the whole musical, and I was like, "This is amazing! Why does no? Why did this flop?" So, it's a shame. Because powerful women. Yeah. True. Right. Um. Yeah. The two like main characters of that story are the pirate woman, the pirate queen, and then uh. Uh, Queen Victoria. <laughs> yeah. So. so, all right. So, Les Miserables. So yeah. So was... the the English version uh, credit goes to uh, Herbert Kretzmer, Trevor Nunn, John Caird, and James Fenton, who did mm-hmm. lyrics and book. But Claude, they kept all of Schoenberg's original music, which is super radical. Yeah. Um. So then, moving on to the Broadway version, because this is technically. 
I mean, it's musical theater history, so like, it's not specifically Broadway. We could talk about anything. Yes, absolutely. We were talking about everything and anything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the Broadway production opened on the 12th of March in 1987, and it ran until the 18th of May in 2003, closing after 6,680 6, performances. Damn. Yep. Uh, the show was nominated for 12 Tony Awards and won eight, that including... Ran- Best musical that ran and best the original course score. of wait. That ran the exact course of my parents' relationship. <laughs> oh my god! They Your met parents... in '87 and they got divorced in 2003. <laughs> Your parents got divorced because Les Mis closed on Broadway. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> that's wild. That's like the exact length of my parents' relationship. That's <laughs> bananas. Um, but yeah, there have been numerous tours and revivals and productions all over the world, including in Australia and, um, let's see, Toronto, uh, there was a UK and Ireland tour, there was a 25th anniversary tour, there's an Australian tour, they did Mm -hmm. a 10th anniversary concert, they did a 25th anniversary concert. Your, now you have personal connections to touring company don't you? i do i have personal connections to this musical in general yes um specifically the touring production my uncle my dad's little brother was the understudy for jean valjean in the third na- third and final national broadway tour which is actually the best one if you ask critics because it was no it was like What's the word? Because your uncle was in it. No, it was praised for being able to bring the port the the Broadway caliber experience to audiences, but it was also super portable. Like it wasn't, you know, because the thing is about touring shows is you all uh, most of the time have to like scale down mm-hmm. what you do for the Broadway production. And the thing scale about Les down, Mis, scale down. <laughs> You must be portable. Yes. Uh, the thing that the thing about Les Mis that's like the, the what it's known for is its rotating stage. Um, okay. It's a there. It's the whole thing and also is set it's, well, also on a turntable. It's giant barricades, right? Well, yeah, but that is part of the turntable. So, like okay. the barricade set, yes, but the turntable is really what makes the barricade work. So. How the turntable works essentially is it's, you know, floating on top of the stage and it's a big, I mean, it's literally the entire stage. It's a giant lazy Susan. It's a a giant lazy Susan, right. That's automated. That's um, that's how uh, Saturday Night Live does it. They also have a rotating uh, set. Right, exactly. Um, And so like they'll roll set pieces on and off, but then like Mm -hmm. then the barricade scene in act two, you know, you see... There's a part where uh, one of the little boy, Gavroche, the character, climbs. They're running out of ammo, and he Mm -hmm. climbs over the barricade to get some more ammunition. And, spoiler alert, he gets shot and he dies. By the way, the the subtitle of this musical is Everyone Dies the Musical, so Mm -hmm. there's lots of death. Um, Well, it's like a classic Shakespearean tragedy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So, you know, we see the rebels on the downstage side at the audience and they're fighting and they're shooting. And then Gavroche is like, I'm going to climb over the barricade. And he does. And as he does, the table ro- the turntable rotates. And then we see the other side from the French army side and he's grabbing, uh, 
ammunition out of a bag and he gets shot and he he dies against the barricade and then it turns back around to the other side. Um, and it's used a lot like, um, you know, when Valjean is traveling from place to place and there's like, mm-hmm. you know, there are people that just st- they stand stationary and like farm. Right. But the table mm-hmm. turns and ga- and um, Valjean walks with the table to create the effect of like traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, they the do women actually similar things in Hamilton from what I understand. Yeah. Hamilton <laughs> uses a similar concept. Um, they, and, and actually Lion King uses a turntable as well, but their turntable is uh, pride rock. And it actually, as it turns pride rock grows out of the ground. Well, that's yeah. I, I will get to Lion King. That's oh, a, yeah. That's a whole whew. thing. Um, yeah. I want to say Cameron McIntosh was involved with that in some way too. I'm sure. I don't remember what he did, but I want to say he, that was one of something he was involved in. But anyway, um, sounds like a busy boy. Yeah, he's very busy. Um, so the wild thing, the wild thing about Lame is, yes, is, tell me where they live. Well, they live in France. No, uh, where the wild things live. <laughs> where the wild things are. Mm-hmm. Um, the wild thing about Lame is is that it, so it closed in 2003, right? Uh-huh. And then it was revived in 2006. Cool. <laughs> they put it on Broadway again because I guess people missed it so much. It was an extremely yeah, limited run. It only ran for two years. It closed in 2008. Um, but all that time, it was also touring um, mm-hmm. because the final tour closed um, on Jul- 23rd of July, 2006. And as soon mm-hmm. as the tour closed, then it opened on Broadway again, which is crazy. Wild. Um, yeah. Uh, is it also currently fun f- on Broadway? It is not. Oh. Wait, I don't... No, it's not. There was a Broadway revival in 2014, which was a little... It didn't get as much... They kind of changed it. Uh-huh. So it was a little more rock pop. Okay. Than like... Because the music for Les Mis is written very operatic and classical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they reorchestrated it and with more like rock instruments, like a, you know, a drum set and an electric guitar and all that kind of stuff. And right. the music director directed it more kind of like rock and roll style singing. So it mm. wasn't received as well. They did the same thing for when they revived Jekyll and Hyde. It was the same thing and everybody hated it. Um, so the 2014 Broadway revival, it wasn't as like, People still liked it because they kept a lot some of this older elements in, but it was like a completely new production. And so people were like, eh, the original was the best. So it only ran for two years. It closed in 2016. So no, there's no production running of it right now on Broadway. Okay. Um, but I think there is a tour running right now. Currently. Okay. So it opened like in... Two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the production that's touring right now is the fourteen revival. It's the so new tell most me, recent edition. Tell me about Lamez. Like the plot? Yeah, what the f happens? Because I never I've never been sure. Okay. So, so it's based from what okay, so my understanding is it's based on a novel. Yes. Um I've actually never read the, the novel. I've tried. It's, it's apparently really a super bummer. It's a bummer, and it's also really, really hard to get into mm-hmm. um, because the whole opening section is all about the priest that right. saves Jean Valjean's life. Well, also, like, it starts off, like, Les Mis 
jumps huge swatches of time. Yeah. Um, yes. And the book doesn't. Right. No, the no, it doesn't. That's very true. Um, that's um, and that's my understanding of the source material. But like, so so my general understanding, and I want I'm going to give my plot synopsis from what I gleaned from watching the movie and okay. being more shocked by Russell Crowe than like absorbing the film. Um, Can I just? He was terrible. I just want to. Put that yeah, out no, there. we'll get. I'm sure we'll get there, sweetheart, because okay, cool. we're we're gonna have to talk about it. Um, no, we definitely but, will. I just want to go ahead and voice my opinion now, though, that Russell Crowe yeah, was awful and I hated the it. Best. Anyway, um, continue. So we stand. We stand. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So my understanding of the plot is that Jean Valjean was arrested for stealing a loaf of bread. Yes. To to feed his hungry sister and his niece or something or his wife nephew. i don't remember but yes nephew um and so that's and so he gets arrested and we we join jean valjean as he's being freed from prison mm-hmm. uh by javert um do not forget his name and um so he goes free and he's not able to get any work because he's a convict he's, right. he's a few he's a he's a felon mm-hmm. and so he uh seeks refuge with a priest Mm-hmm. Um, well, he tries to rob the priest, and then the priest takes pity on him. Well, uh, y- yes. So, the the priest offers him food and shelter. It's a bishop, technically, offers him food and shelter, and then Valjean is just like super bitter and desperate, and so he steals the silver and runs. Right, and then he gets caught, and he the gets priest... caught, and the priest lies and tells them they gave it as a gift, and he and like. So then he like has a come to Jesus moment. Where yeah. he's like, I he's like, was spared can... by this man. Right. And he's like, you, the priest, the bishop tells him, you can keep this, but you have to become an honest man because because I gave you this, I have paid for your soul and your soul now belongs to God. Right. And so he cleans so, up his like, act. And so that's a whole thing. And then smash cut, he's the mayor. Um, yeah, we jump like, <laughs> we jump like. Smash uh, cut. That nine in and years, of itself years? could be an entire musical about a convict who works his way up and becomes the mayor of a town. But, oh, no, but no, no, smash it's cut. So much more than that. Smash cut. We go. He's the mayor. Yeah, we and jump eight years. So it starts out. Yes. So far, you're you've been correct. It starts out in 1815. All the stuff you just said happens. There's lots of singing. By the way, Jean Valjean is prisoner two four six zero one, which is a very important number. Uh. In musical theater culture in general and in the musical itself. It's it is referenced in musicals for decades afterwards. After this. Okay. And like like musical theater nerds will like reference it, you know, when they're right. like in their in their AIM handles. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my gosh, you know, how many how many tickets are you hoping to sell? Well, I'm hoping to sell twenty four thousand six hundred and one. You know. Right. It just like I mean, it's the same as like I can't tell you I don't know you know anything about math but i can tell you how many minutes are in a year right you know 24,601 so no, um, 525,600 <laughs> minutes um so smash cutty's the mayor and there's some sort of i guess textile factory or something and there's ladies and they're mean to another lady and then she gets kicked well, out so he's he's then, not just the mayor he also owns a factory okay so that's how so, this happens. Yes. Um, the bitch had bite. The cat had claws. Uh, <laughs> and he should have known her little secret. Um, and that was uh, 
What was her name? What is her name? Fontaine. I dreamed a dream. What? Fontaine. Fontaine. Fontaine cheese gets she's kicked a, out of the factory. No, Fontaine. Uh, she, she's a single mother working in the factory. Yes. And she has been working to support her daughter Cosette. Right. And she who's being raised by an innkeeper. So the foreman of the factory wants Fontaine like he is wants he, her. Yeah, he wants her, and she rejects him, and so and he so takes he it fires out. Fires her. Well, no, he takes it out on everyone else who then now hate Fontaine because she couldn't just, you know, pull herself together and f- him. <laughs> right. Um, and so then one day, one of her coworkers steals a letter from Fontaine about Cosette, and none of them knew she had a kid. Okay. And so then they found out that she has a bastard child. You know, she's a single mother, not married, and okay. she has a kid. And, then they and so because of that, yeah, they tell her that, uh, they they're like, oh, we're gonna tattle on you for having a child, and because you're a whore and all this stuff. And so then they get in a fight, and then the foreman uses that as an excuse to fire her because she gets in a fight. Okay, and then yeah, uh, Jean Valjean is called in to deal with this, and he doesn't, or he just like agrees with what the foreman says, and then right, yeah. And then so she leaves and she winds out of winds up out on the street and she sells her hair well, and her he's teeth not, and her Valjean clothes. is not there when she gets kicked out. It's not in, that's that's okay. later. That's after. Okay. So she gets kicked so, out and she reflects on just her life and how she's gotten to this point. She sings I dreamed a dream which is arguably probably one of the most famous songs from this show besides the Eponine one. Right. Um and so, yeah, no, she sells her locket, her the, her necklace and her hair, which is the only thing she has of value. And then she right. becomes a prostitute because she needs money. Right. And then she gets syphilis or something. And Sure. She gets sick. Um, She fights an abusive customer who, like, is trying to ra- rape right. her. I mean, she's a very strong character, like, especially for yeah. the time period and the situation she's in. Mm-hmm. So she fights back on this guy who's making advances um, and Javert is now the police inspector. So Javert was the guy that was. Yeah, you know, he was two, he was, four, six, oh, one. Yeah, he and Jean Valjean did not get along. Um, and so uh, there, but we'll, we'll get, I'll get into the character stuff later. But anyway, um, so Javert is now the, some, just by happenstance, is now the police inspector in the same town where that Valjean ja- is that, mayor. Okay. Uh, I don't and know so, how they haven't crossed paths. No, um, they definitely have, but he's changed his name. He's Monsieur right. Madeleine now. And so he, like, stripped his identity. He's no longer, you know... Because that's actually what happens. He sings his soliloquy. Right. You know, when the bishop redeems his his sins, he he, and then he rips up his yellow ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and he, he, he becomes a new He starts man. a new life. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, but Valjean... So Javert shows up, and to arrest Fantine and then Valjean mm-hmm. is passing by. He's like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like he pities her and then realizes that she was like, I was one of your workers and you let me get kicked out. And so you're the reason I'm like this. And, and I'm dying like, and I'm dying. And my child is hungry. going to die and- because she doesn't have a mother. And then Valjean swears to her that he'll raise the daughter. Right. And so he takes her, he takes Fantine to a hospital um, and he just is so stricken, stricken by guilt. Um, 
And then like literally immediately afterwards, like not even like the next song, there's a runaway cart where a man is pinned underneath and Jean Valjean li- lifts the cart and pulls the man out from under. With like his superhero strength. Right. Well, the strength with that he gained. Jackman-y, with his with huge, huge jacked, jacked man, man strength. Uh, strength. Yeah. No, it's the it's the strength that he built up for 19 years in prison doing hard labor. Ah. So Javert, who up until now th- hasn't recognized Valjean, goes, um, I only know one other man who has had that kind of strength, which is one of the most gay, the, probably the gayest thing you could say. <laughs> I only remember one other man with incredible strengths, Woo! and that was Jean Valjean. Mm, Jean Valjean. He was a strong man. Mm. Uh, and it turns out that another man has been arrested and is going to trial for breaking parole because they think that he is Jean Valjean. And uh, so the real and then Valjean, Valjean hears is about this with case. Guilt, yes, and he doesn't again, want another man to take his. Well, he doesn't want fall. an innocent man to take him. And so he goes into the court and he's like, "I am Jean Valjean," and then he runs, and he, he runs out of the court and he finds. Then he goes to Fontaine, who's in the hospital, and and she's, she beefs it. Well. He before she beefs it, he says, "Hey, I promise." She she speaks of Cosette, and he says, "I promise I will find your daughter and keep her safe." Uh, right. And Fontaine is re- so relieved that somebody else is going to care for Cosette because that's why she hasn't died yet. Is because she's right. like, she's "I have just to stay alive on, for and my so child." So she just like lets go, right? Um, and then Javert finds Valjean and is like, "I'm going to take you into custody." And Valjean is like, no, please let me go get this child. And Javert is like, no, criminals never change. You can't be a good person. You're always going to be a cruel, horrible person who steals bread for your sister and her son. Jesus. You monster. You monster. Yeah. Javert is a very weird character. Javert is a bitter ex. Let's be real about this. Javert and and huge jacked man, Jean Valjean, uh, s- spoinked together for a while. Sure. And um, here's the sad truth: is Javert stands Jean Valjean, but then Jean Valjean broke his heart, and that's why he's so mad. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if we're talking about it, so like, so okay, if we're thinking about this in like alignments, okay, okay. I would consider Valjean like chaotic good. Or even like neutral good. Okay. You know, like he's still neutral good. He originally like was like, I have to steal. I mean, he was like a Aladdin type, you know, got to keep one jump, got to steal, got to eat to live, got to steal to eat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then when he, when the priest bought his soul for God, he was like, okay, well now I have to become a better person. Um, so I think he's kind of like moving more towards the lawful good side of things. But, um, but Valjean Javert, is lawful evil, or ja- Javert, Javert is lawful evil. evil. Yes, right. He's Where just he's like, like he's like, I don't care at what cost. The law and justice must be followed, and it doesn't matter if you know you just stole something for your your child, or you still stole, and so you have to report for your crimes. And like, a criminal is always a criminal, and no matter what, like he's just like super about the law and rules, and like they always. He doesn't believe in like good or evil. He's just like, you know, criminals are criminals, and that's just the way mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, they fight and they sing my favorite song, "The Confrontation," 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, Valjean wins and escapes. Cool. Um, so then he goes and he we meet the Tenardiers who are just so great. They're the comedic reliefs in this show. They're the they're, like, they're the master of the house. Yeah, they're the, they're the comedic, even though they're terrible terrible people. But that they they bring the comedy. Um, so the Tenardiers who are innkeepers are basically using Cosette as a servant, um, and they treat her terribly cruelly while basically taking the money from Fontaine and lying and saying like Cosette is ill all the time. And we need more money for medicine and we need more money to feed her and clothe her. And like up until this point, we, the audience, have believed that that's the case, that like the reason Fontaine is working herself literally to death is because she thinks her child is going to die. Mm -hmm. And then we flip flip to the inn and we realize that Cosette is fine and is just working her fingers to the bone, basically being a Cinderella. Um, And that these terrible, terrible people are basically just stealing money from Fontaine. And so she died for nothing. Bunch of jerkuses. Um, but where is Valjean in all of this? What is he well, doing? Well, we're getting there. So then we find out that um, Cosette's being forced to work like a little Cinderella. And then we then cue Eponine, who's the quote unquote evil stepsister, who gets mm-hmm. to have pretty dresses and dolls. And she is the daughter of the Tenardiers. Okay. Um, and so Cosette sings Castle on a Cloud, which is probably the third most famous song from this musical. Every child mm-hmm. has sung that song at some point in their life. Um, and I haven't. She- well, every every kid that's every little girl that starts musical theater at age eight or young or eight or between the ages of eight and 12 sings Castle at a Cloud on some point. Got it. Um, so she dreams of a life with the mother where she's not for, forced to work and is treated lovingly. And then she sings Castle on a Cloud. So right. then uh, then comes Master of the House, which is such a great song. Um, they bring their customers in, steal their possessions. Mm-hmm. uh pay them for watered down alcohol or charge them for watered down alcohol and mm-hmm. basically are just f-ing criminals. Yeah. Um, and Which so is while, like, I guess to contrast like what a real criminal is as compared to Jean Valjean. Yeah. Right. I think it's just to, to show like these people are genuinely very terrible. Right. Um, but it's also to add a layer of like, because Master of the House is a fun, upbeat, funny mm-hmm. song where everybody just about gets like terrible things. Su- it's about terrible things. But so like, like this, this play is such a downer that even the funny song is about terrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you, I, you, can't, you can't really think of it like that. You know, I mean, everybody's super poor. Like this is the time of the bourgeoisie, right? So, right, you know. Anybody mm-hmm. that was lower class was just down on their luck, and so you know, kind of had to turn to shitty whatever means of they making could, money. yeah, right. Um, so when the when the house opens, they don't want Cosette around, so they send her out to go get water from the well. Not like they need it, but Cosette is out drawing water from the well, and that's where Valjean meets her. Then he returns to the inn, offers the Tenardier's payment to adopt her. They pretend that they love her like a daughter and that she's fragile and they blah, blah, blah. And he ends up giving them 1,500 francs. Right. Uh, And they're like, okay, bye. Yep. And then, yeah, right. And then now, then Valjean and Cosette leave for Paris. Oh, cool. And now, smash cut to nine years later. It is 1832. 
Um, Paris is in an upheaval because of the impending death of General Lamarck. And so, uh, and so again, an entire musical could be done just about, about those this, two. About yeah, and about him like her. traveling to Paris with yes. this new father figure and like yes. learning to love one another and the blossoming like family relationship yes. they have. Yes, but no. <laughs> No, smash cut to 1832, Paris is an upheaval, so General Lamarck is the only man in the government who's ever shown any mercy to the poor, and since he's about to die, every all the poor are freaking out, because they're like, when this happens, all the rich are going to, the only people in power are going to be the rich, and we're going to have no choice but to go to war. Otherwise, we're right. going to be dead. Um, so... Uh, th- then, so then we meet our student revolutionaries. We have Marius Pontmercy and Andra, and uh, so um, since this time, the Tenardiers have lost their inn and are now running a street gang. Cool, and they moved um, to Paris. Yeah, <clears throat> awesome. Um, they've they've lost their inn and they're running a street gang uh, with a bunch of thugs and their daughter Eponine has now all grown up and she's in love with Marius who's completely oblivious to her affections. Okay. Um, and then there's also our favorite boy, our little young urch- urchin Gavroche. Gavroche. I know a Gavroche. I love him. He's so good. Um, and he knows about everything that happens in the slums. And so he sings a, like a re- look down reprise, which look down is the opening song of the show. He sings this, uh, this, reprise about like introducing basically he becomes the narrator and he introduces the audience to his world and everything he knows it's very cute Mm -hmm. um so the Tenardiers uh con some charitable visitors who turn out to be Valjean and Cosette who has grown up into a beautiful young woman okay uh and uh the other thing you need to know about Marius and Andros is they are students like they're going to school okay they're like college students basically okay so you got like a sort of uh, yeah. Okay, I got. Gotcha. So they're 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 like they're a little more highbrow, but they're fighting for the poor. Okay, if that makes sense. No, or I with dig the it. Poor. Yeah, I dig it. Um. So. Uh, so the revolution is in upheaval, eminent. and yeah. um. Meanwhile, there's like all these interpersonal relationships. Yeah, Where's there's Jean all this stuff going on. So Jean Valjean's he, old as fuck at this point, right? Yeah, he's, he's got to be well, like at least a hundred. Yeah, no, but he's getting older. He's he's probably in his 60s or 70s at this point. He's okay. gray, at least. He comes out, okay. this is the part where Jean Valjean comes out with a gray hair and beard. Um, so, that's, so, so all, we're introduced to all of these characters, right? We get some exposition, and we kind of get an idea of what's going on, and then Valjean and Cosette show up, and Cosette's all grown up now, and the Tenardiers try to con Valjean, and while that's happening, Cosette meets Marius and they fall in love at first ah, sight. At first sight. And this is the big three-way duet, right? Not yet. Well, oh, oh, that's okay. later. No, no, no. That's in act two. Okay. Um, so we're not even to act two yet. <laughs> oh, golly gee. Oh, no, no. That's the end of act Willikers. one. I lied. That's the end of act one. Heartful of okay. Love is the end of act one. But we're not there yet. And um, that's, what, what is the act break song? Come on. One day more? Yes. Do you hear the people sing? Yes. Come on. Which one? One day more. Okay. No, do you hear the people sing is the is the revolution song. Okay. okay. Um, so no, one day more. Got it. Well, yeah. So do you do you hear the people sing is what we 
yeah we'll get there we're not there yet okay um but no it's obviously one day more come on the best song in the show yes um god that song is so fun to sing um i would love to assemble a group of people i just haven't had the opportunity since theater camp oh yeah no we will here's the other thing i forgot to mention before but i've actually been in this musical once upon a time Mm -hmm. um i was only in the ensemble but it was actually ended up being really fun because i got to be in literally everything awesome um because i got to be in master of the house and i got to be in do you hear the people sing and one day more and the barricade like i got to do a whole bunch of stuff and I, awesome. I was one of the factory woman women. I'm not going to tell you what my line was. <laughs> what was it? <sighs> Say I had it. One, I had one solo line. Uh-huh. What was it? And the boss, he doesn't know that the foreman is always in heat. Ah. Uh, I was good. 14. Gross. 15. Gross. I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. Musical theater. Sometimes it's really gross. Yep. This is why high schools should not do this musical, but it happens all the time. Anyway. All right. Um, so Marius and Cosette fall in love. And then Tenardier, the master, Mr. Tenardier, suddenly recognizes Valjean and is like, oh, wait, I know you. And then all of a sudden, Javert shows up. Now he's an inspector in Paris. <sighs> Gasp. It's just like, it's like somebody made a joke about this once upon a time about like how is it that Javert is just always conveniently where Valjean is? Like it's just always <laughs> They were linked they were linked by God. No. He he's following him on Facebook or something. Um, <laughs> he's a bitter ex, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, Javert's always like, like Fine, you're going to move to Paris, I'll move to Paris, and then, oops, oh, we're both at the same Starbucks, this is crazy. This is crazy. How are things? Oh, you have a kid? That's great. Any um, any girlfriend, boyfriend? What What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you like my hair? I just got it dyed. Oh, I just got my hair dyed. You're looking a little gray. It's okay. It looks distinguished. It's just really- like nagging him. <laughs> Yeah, so Javert comes to the rescue, in big quotation marks, to stop the robbery. And in that time, uh, Valjean and Cosette escape. And then Tenardier tips him off and Javert goes, oh, that was Valjean. And then then we get (laughs) our favorite song. When Javert goes on top of a bridge and makes a vow to the stars. Basically, oh he swears that he will find Valjean and recapture him. Yeah. Uh, Out in uh, the dark. Javert makes, here's what this says. Javert makes a vow to the stars, which represent his belief in a just and ordered universe where suffering is a punishment for sin. A fugitive running. Yeah. Fallen from grace. Uh, meanwhile, Marius convinces Eponine to help him find Cosette. Uh, and that happens. And then uh-huh. we uh, cut to a small cafe where Angeras, uh is making a group of idealist, I- idealistic students excited and prepping them for the revolution. Awesome. Marius comes in and we have the best part of the show, the funniest part of the show. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I wish I could get into the book because from what I've heard, Marius is a complete doofus like he's just so dumb (laughs) um and like that's only like 
exacerbated by the point that he's in love. Right. And so not only is he just a complete idiot with no common sense, but now he's head over heels in love. And so these boys who are like, dude, there's a war on our front door. And he's just like, I met this girl and she's so beautiful. And they're like, shut the up, dude. Get a gun. Do you not? (laughs) They're marching. Do you not see them? Andros is especially angry. And so then they sing Red and Black. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so great when you think about it because they sing red the blood of angry man red the blood of angry men black the dark of ages past and then marius goes red i feel my soul on fire black my world when she's not there and he's just like on a completely different page <laughs> it's so good um i love the boys they're so funny um, and then Gavroche brings the news of General Lamarck's death and they all of a sudden realize, okay, it's time, mm-hmm. time to incite the revolution. And so then they sing, do you hear the people sing? Which is great. Okay. Right. Now cut to, so now, so now we have in the background, we have the revolution is building, right? So this okay. is the, yeah. this is the rise to the climax, which comes in act two. So, so we're, we've building rising action here, right? Okay. Um, so Javert, Javert's after Valjean. The mm-hmm. revolution is beginning, and now we get a little tiny break as we flip to Jean, Val- uh, to Jean Valjean's house, uh, right. and we see Cosette thinking about her life and uh, her chance to meet Marius again, and she talks to Valjean, and she's like, Papa, I know you have secrets. Can you tell them to me? And she, he's like, now's not the time. Um, and then we see outside the house, Eponine leads Marius to the house. He and Cosette mm-hmm. meet. They sing right. heart, they sing a heartfelt duet while Eponine is in the background like, <laughs> he was never mine to lose. I'm like, shut up, girl. Anyway, that's we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Um uh, then Tenardier and his gang arrive, intending to rob Valjean's house. But Eponine right. stops them. She screams. Her dad's like, I'm going to kill you. She's like, do it, coward. You won't. And then uh, Valjean hears this the scream. Intense. Oh, yeah. Remember, rising action. Valjean yeah. hears the scream, believes it was Javert, tells Cosette it's time for them to go. And they start a plan to free France completely. To flee France completely. They're just going get to get the heck out of Dodge. So now, this is the finale of Act 1. We are on the eve of the 1832 Paris Uprising. Valjean Mm -hmm. is ready to go into exile. Cosette and Marius are despairing because Cosette's like, I'm never going to see you again. And Uh Marius is like, do I go with her or do I fight with my brothers? Angeros is is getting all of Paris ready for the revolution. Eponine is despairing that Marius will never love her. Uh, Javert has... Oh, Javert. Javert, Javert is planning to uh, spy on the students. The Ternardiers are coming up with a scheme to profit off the violence. And all of this is happening all at the same time, accumulating into one song called One Day More, where all of mm. these like plot lines Different are plot lines converge into one, into big one moment. huge song. And Marius eventually decides to stand with his friends um, nice. and to fight in the war. So that's the end of Act One. Everybody's crying. Everyone's on their feet. It's so good. And that's <laughs> and the that, end of Act One. And now we get to Act Two, which is much, much, much shorter and a lot less dense. Okay, cool. And a lot more death. Um, so uh, it opens up with the students building a barricade out of whatever they can. Javert, right. disguised as a rebel, volunteers to quote unquote spy on the government troops. 
Right. Um, Marius discovers that Eponine has disguised herself as a boy to fight in the war and sends her instead to deliver a farewell letter to Cosette because he doesn't want her to die. Uh, and that must Valjean, suck for Ebony. Valjean intercepts the letter and learns about Marius and Cosette's romance and is like, oh, uh. that's sweet. Um, and then Eponine walks the streets of Paris alone. See, my that- understanding of Valjean receiving the letter was, oh, that means he's my son now. Yeah, he's like, I'm this. He, they he's are basically in love. like, oh, my daughter is is boning some some stud from the college. Yeah, and that means he's my son. Yeah, which no, is he's a, totally oh, chill about it. No, it's a weird. It's a weird <laughs> thing to do. Here's the thing. I think Valjean just really wants kids. He just like is gonna. Yeah, he I just think keeps if, get just scooping them up. Yeah, if he could adopt all the rebel children, including Eponine and Gavroche and Andros and just all of the boys, I think he probably mm-hmm. would. He'd just probably. be like, you're all my kids now. Come on, we're leaving. Nobody's dying. Happy Come ending, on, happy ending. Away. We're Yay. all running away. <laughs> I have plenty of money. Um, anyway, so it's yes. It's me, I'll... Jean Valjean. I don't know why I'm rich. <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> happened, but here we are. Here we are. I'm the richest man in France. I'm also the president. What? what? That happened too. <laughs> I'm the um, president and king of France. Off with his head. So that's me. I'm the president and king and prime minister of France. Guess what? I also wrote the musical. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. I'm God. Hi, everybody. Hi, I'm God. In, I'm just, in just 15 short years, I went from prisoner to God. How'd I do it? <laughs> Buy my book. Buy <laughs> my book to find out. <laughs> it's called Les Happy. <laughs> priests, priests hate this one secret to becoming gods. <laughs> oh my god. Hell yeah. Priests hate this one stupid secret. A teacher found out. Oh a, god. A, an ex convict discovered this one secret to becoming god. Priests do not want you to know this. <laughs> 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 Woo. Uh, oh Let's clickbait. Let's clickbait. All right. So, um, so, so then, he, so he's like, all right, Marius is my son. Yes. And now we get my least favorite song in the show. Mm-hmm. On my own. Lament. I'm going to get oh. so much hate for this. On my own. Yes. And here's why. Let me exp- let me explain something. Okay. So, in musical theater. There is a rule. There are several rules. But when it comes to singing a solo and acting a character, one of the most important rules is to never play for guilt or sympathy. Okay. You always want to play for victory when you're playing a character because the audience does not want to be guilt tripped. Right. They don't, they will not feel sympathetic for you if you try to guilt trip them. In fact, it'll just annoy them. But if you're in this really terrible, bad situation and you instead go for victory and you say, I'm going to, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to find my own way and make it happen. Even though everything sucks, the audience goes, damn, she's so strong or he, damn, they're so strong. I wish I could be like that. Yes. You go girlfriend. So basically you're saying you want to be Stevie Nicks and not Cassette. Or is this Ebonine? Who's singing this? This is Eponine. Okay. So you want to so, be Stevie Nicks and not Ebonine. You want to go your own way and not on your own. Sure. Uh, the thing is, it's just, 
it's not Eponine's fault and it's not her fault that she's like this. It, she was written that way and she was written very poorly. The fact that she just literally the whole time she's an adult, she like whines and bitches and complains about the fact that Marius will never love her and I'm all alone. And I sometimes when I'm out here on the streets, I dream that he's here beside me. Like, shut up. There's a war going on. None, none of us care like right. she's so annoying i hate her so much and it's not her Jeez, fault baby i'm sorry i think my other thing i the other reason i like can't stand it is because the whole musical right is, the, is written in this classical operatic style and then every person that's ever played eponine ever has belted the song like the girl from the broadway recording ha- is like a country singer or something i don't know it's bizarre and i'm like that's why is she the only one that's different? Like either do the whole musical one way or do it the other. Don't mix styles. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite Eponine is Samantha Barks, which she was the one. She was actually the Eponine in the movie. And she just was a dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, she was a dog. Samantha Barks. Cool. Um, she was the Eponine in the movie, and she was also in the 25th anniversary concert cast. Um, okay. She's great i mean like she's i feel like she plays the role a lot more genuinely and a le- less for sympathy and also mm-hmm. i like her voice the best i think of all the eponines i'm gonna get so much hate for this because people love eponine and i just really don't understand why she's terrible all um, right hot take uh, here we are uh, yeah whatever hot take i mean cosette's terrible too she's just bland and well yeah has no character trait thing. besides i love marius i've heard this before of like if this is a play about the French Revolution, and this is a play about strength and redemption and sacrifice. Why is the child on the emblem Cosette and not Gavroche? Right. Thank you. Like, Cosette didn't sacrifice anything. Right. In fact, she's one of the you few know, people who doesn't die. No, and she's one of the few people that gets out okay. She gets to marry Marius at the end. Right. They get married. That's why they the call old- him Marius. Yeah, the only thing that she loses, really, I mean, she loses her mom, but I don't know that she ever really knew her mother very well. And then she watches the person that raised her die. That's like the worst thing that happens to her. Right. You know, like... Meanwhile, Gavroche fought in the revolution and died. Yeah, no, I mean, Eponine, I mean, Fontaine is really the only strong woman in this show. I mean, that's, this is going to be, that's a whole episode in and of itself, is that musicals are extremely male-centric, which is ridiculous because a majority of the people that audition for musicals and pursue musical theater are women. Right. So, like, what is happening? Where is, I don't understand. Yeah, it's stupid. Society. All right, so moving on. So, uh... Now we have the French army at the barricade. Mm-hmm. People are dying. The government, the uh, Javert tells the students that the government will not attack. But Gavroche recognizes him and said, he's a spy. And he sings Little People, which is such an underrated song. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. I like it a lot. Um, they, they plan to start an uprising just with their act of defiance alone, hoping that all the people of Paris will side with them and overwhelm the army, which of course doesn't work. Right. Um, Eponine returns to find Marius, but is shot by the soldiers crossing the barricade. As Marius holds her, she assures him that she will feel no pain and reveals her love for him by dying in his arms and sings little fall of rain. Um, The students mourn. This is the first death at the barricade. Cool. Um, The students mourn her loss. 
uh, and resolve to fight in her name. Uh, Andros tries to comfort Marius. He's heartbroken, mm-hmm. whatever. Valjean arrives at the barricade, crossing government lines, disguised as a soldier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's disguised disguised as a French soldier, and so at first they think he's like they they are about to shoot him, but um, he comes and he says, "I'm coming to." He comes to fight, hoping to protect Marius and battle for Cosette's sake. Um. Uh, what, they're, they're suspicious of him, but then he saves Andros by shooting a sniper and scaring him off. Um, and then. Uh, Andros asks him to be the one to execute Javert, who they've tied up. Mm-hmm. Or he asks, he says, as as a favor, can I kill the prisoner? And Andros is like, sure, dude, whatever. And then Valjean and Javert are alone. Valjean frees him. And Javert says, I will not give up my pursuit. And he's like, I don't care. I'm not mad at you. I understand that you're just doing your job. No, no, he's very kind about it. He's like, listen, dude, I hold no ill will towards you. I understand why you felt like you had to chase me my whole life. You know, I understand you're just doing your job and I hope you have a nice life. And that's it. Uh, So then um, they, the students go to sleep for the night. They sing drink with me. They're all talking about dying and being afraid of death and, Marius is wondering, Marius is beginning to fear death and he's wondering if Cosette will remember him if he dies. And then as he falls asleep, Valjean says a prayer. Oh God. Bring him home. Just thinking about that song makes me want to cry. Um, He sings a prayer to God and saying that like, like, let me die in place of this boy. Mm -hmm. Please keep him safe for my daughter's sake. Like let him, let her be, let them be able to be happy together because I don't have much longer on this earth than like, at least if one good thing can come out of this war, let them have each other. Um, so then Don, Don comes and Angeros is, is disappointed that the people of Paris have not joined them in their fight Mm -hmm. and they are like, fine, you know, it's just the 12 of us versus the entire French army. But like, we're gonna go for it. Go for it. Do now, it. Now, this is the part where Gavroche crawls over the barricade to collect the ammunition and dies. So now they're even more fired up. Um, the army gives a final warning. The rebels are like, no, f*** you. And then everyone on the barricade is killed except Valjean and Marius, who is extremely gravely wounded. Right. And they escape into the sewers. Gross. Um, Javert returns to the barricade searching for Valjean and then finds the open sewer and follows them. Right. Um, Valjean carries Marius through the sewers um, and collapses in exhaustion while he's unconscious. Tenardier has been looting bodies and he comes to them and takes a ring from the unconscious Marius but flees when Valjean, whom he recognizes, gains consciousness. Uh, Valjean carries Marius to the sewers exit but they find Javert waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Valjean begs Javert for one hour to bring Marius to a doctor and Javert reluctantly agrees Javert finds himself unable to rec- reconcile Valjean's merciful acts with his conception of Valjean as an irredeemable criminal Right. so he can't like process that the this man that he, who yeah. he saw as such a terrible horrible person is doing all of these good things like raising this other woman's child and, and saving this boy see, from the barricade and letting and him go free. his life, yeah. Right. And so he's like, rather than accepting this new reality that he's discovered, he throws himself off a bridge into the river he sign. just f- kills himself. Yep. <laughs> what a d- 
Yep. Uh, he, basically, he's like, well, what really what really happens is his entire worldview is shattered. Mm-hmm. And he had this like, really, it was his belief in God. And he was like, I had this one specific idea of who God was and what his plan was for me and for the world and how justice was supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And now that I've seen that that's not the case, like that's his whole worldview. His everything is just broken. And so he's like, he doesn't know what to do. Like he has no, right. he's like, where do I go from here? Like, there's nothing for me to do except, I guess, die. So he kills himself, which is so awful in the movie because in the musical, they put that, it's that goofy sound effect. Yes. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, but in the musical, like, suicide is bad. Like, let's just mm-hmm. like lay that out. So when I say this, sure. I'm not trying to glorify suicide, but the way they do it in the musical is actually really cool. Mm-hmm. because they put him on wires and he falls. It depends on the version you see. Sometimes he falls backwards so you don't see him, but there are other times where he falls forwards and the lights change and everything goes into slow motion and he just slowly falls to the floor and as the lights fade to black, it's really neat. It depends on mm. the production you see, but sometimes the effects are really cool. Neat. Um, yeah, so then uh, the revolution has failed and uh, the women are mourning the deaths of the students. Um, and Marius is mourning the death of his friends, unable to figure out why he was the one that survived. Um, and he wonders who saves his life because he doesn't know that Valjean saved him. Right. Um, and Cosette comes to comfort him. Because Valjean's such a cool dude, he wasn't even like, yo, I saved you. Yeah, no, he just took him to the hospital and was like, you know, get better. Um, Cosette comforts him and is like, hey, we're still in love. And she's like, cool, good. Um, and then Valjean gives them his blessing. Um, and Valjean confesses everything to Marius. He's like, I'm an escaped convict. And uh, like all of this stuff happened. And I must go away now because my presence is a danger to you and to Cosette. And you can never tell her. Um, and so then a few months later they get married. Uh, the, this is the best part. The Tenardiers ca- crash the wedding disguised as like nobility, but they're really bad. They look awful. It's so funny. <laughs> um, they attempt to blackmail Marius saying that Valjean is a murder murderer and Tenardier saw him carrying a corpse in the sewers after the barricades fell. And then Tenardier shows him the ring as proof and Marius goes, Holy, holy shit, Valjean saved my life. Um, Because here's the thing. When Valjean is like, hey, listen, dude, I was a criminal. Marius is like, what the f***? Holy sh! Right. you're a terrible person. Right. Um, And like is mad at him, basically. And okay. so then when Tenardier shows him the ring, he goes, oh, shit, he saved my life. Cool. Um, Guess he's not. Guess he's not. So they but find unlike Valjean. Valjean he, unlike Javert, he doesn't kill himself over this realization. Yeah, right. Um. And uh, they, the both Cosette and Marius go to find Valjean. Um, they find him at a convent. He's waiting his death, having nothing left to live for. Uh, the spirit of Fontaine appears to him and tells him that he has been forgiven and will soon be with God. Cosette and Marius arrive to find Valjean very near death. He thanks God for letting him live long enough to see Cosette again. And Marius thanks him for saving his life. Um, he gives Cosette a letter with all of his confessions about his troubled past and the truth about her mother and everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he dies, the spirits of Fontaine and Eponine come and guide him to heaven. Reminding Jeez. him of, of the famous line 
of the musical is to love another person is to see the face of God. Um, and then they're joined by all the spirits of the people who died at the barricades. Um, and it's depending on the, on the version again, it's really cool, but usually it's Cosette and Marius downstage reading this letter that Valjean gave to them while upstage there is a scrim, which a scrim is, um, uh, a scrim is, a like a fly, you know, it's a thing, it's a piece of fabric that flies in. That's basically like mesh. Okay. And when so you like, light it, when you light it from the silhouettes. front, huh? When you light it from the front, they what? When you light it from the front, you can't see through it. You only see the scrim. But when you light it from the back, you see behind it. Okay. So it, it's like a it's a piece with lots of little holes in it, and usually mm-hmm. it has something printed on it. But in most versions, it's just a dark scrim. So it creates this image of like it creates this like fog like effect. Mm-hmm. So it's like these people are kind of watching from above. Um, when my aunt Lindsay directed this musical, uh, she made them all the dead wore white. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part was finding a white trench coat for Eponine. <laughs> and she tells that story all the time. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's every, yeah. That's less miserable. Damn, that is yeah. a f- intense story. It's a lot. It's really beefy and it's super sad. Um, but the music is really good. Um, and here's the thing about Les Mis is that like, it's a really good musical, but it's become one of those musicals where like it's almost like Wicked or Hairspray in a way where like if you like Les Mis and that's like one of the only musicals, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're a fake musical theater fan, which first of all, if you're a person that says stuff like that, you're a person you need to stop because any person that loves any musicals, even if they've only ever seen one and only know of one, they can mm-hmm. still be a musical theater fan. We need to quit being elitist about this because it's we need to open the gates to dumb fake fans like me open the gates and seize the day that's another musical can you name it uh i'm gonna say the 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 fantastics newsies um so uh yeah lame is gained a bad rap because it like is really super popular and you know, a lot of high schools do it. And so a lot of people know the lyrics. And also when the movie came out, it developed this huge fan base on the Internet, especially Tumblr, of all these fangirls. It's the same people who like like Hamilton now. And like mm-hmm. it's the reason people hate and, Hamilton um, because people like and Heathers ship. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's that it's what people like ship the characters together and write fan fiction and mm-hmm. You know, so everybody's like, oh, God, Les Mis, all of those stupid Les Mis girls, they're just dumb and they don't know anything about musicals and they just like it because I think the boys are hot. And that's not necessarily true, you know. So, like, first of all, don't judge people. I mean, if that's how you want to enjoy a musical, like, that's fine. They're there for entertainment. You can do what you want with it. I mean, people do Mm -hmm. the same thing with movies and TV shows and, like... You're at home watching anime all the time. F*** you. <laughs> like, I can ship the boys together if I want. You know, so, I don't know. I just, uh, Les Mis gets a bad rep, but it really is a good musical. I personally am sick of it because I've been in it and seen it a million times because my uncle was in it a million times. Right. Um, he's played, he didn't just play Valjean on tour. Like, he did it in several regional productions, like, a ton. Right. He's played that role so many times. I'm sure he is tired of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I personally, I would love to play Fontaine at some point in my life. 
Um, there was a point in my life where I wanted to play Cosette, and then I realized that she's a terrible character, so I don't <laughs> care to do that. Um, I also think I'd be a really good Madame Thenardier. Mm-hmm, I think would. I, that would be a fun role for me. Um, you got a lot of sass. Yeah, but like this is one of those musicals you got where like sassy hips. <laughs> this is one of those musicals where like even though there's like a bunch of leads. All of the leads are male. And so the role, really the female role to be in this show is the ensemble because it's so much more fun. You get to do so much more stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, one of my favorite stories. So in the original London production, um, let me make sure before I say this. Yeah. In the original London London production, Fontaine was played by Patti Lapone. Ooh. Yeah. She's very famous. Patty Lapone. Yes, Patty Lapone. Everyone. She's I hate a diva. the mother. How about that? <laughs> she's she's a Broadway diva. She's very important. Like she's up there with Barbara Streisand. Everyone should mm-hmm. know who Patty Lapone is. Um, also, I if you do don't know, know Patty Lapone is. So that's that's saying something. Yes. Um, if you don't know, if you have seen Steven Universe, she voices Yellow Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. Anyway, in the original London production, she was Fontaine, and there's this great story of <laughs> her in the production. I don't exactly remember it 100%, but it was she, you know, Fontaine comes on in the beginning, right? And then doesn't come on again until the very, very end. And so there's this story somewhere about like after she died, she like got completely undressed out of her costume and was just like backstage around. I don't know if she like left the theater to go get food and came back. Um, something along the lines of that. But like she came back and they were like, Patty, you're on in five. And she goes, oh, f-. and she had like no clothes on. <laughs> and so she's like throwing on her costume. Like she has to put on a corset. And so she's like putting on. And so like she came on stage like as dressed as she could be. Oh, my God. So funny. I just like love hearing stories like that because I'm like, oh, even professionals make mistakes sometimes. Absolutely. We're um, all just we're all hu- even the most famousest and like divaist of us all who oh, like still can get human. away with it. We're yes. all still just floundering around and pretending like we know what we're doing. Yes, absolutely. Um, some other famous names. So the original. These are some names that you should know. Okay. So okay. the original Jean Valjean in both the London and the Broadway cast was Colm Wilkinson. Colm Wilkinson. What? Look at you. You're so mm-hmm. cute. All right. So here's a fun fact about Colm Wilkinson: is that in he the movie, he sounds like. Yes, he does. In the movie, um, at the beginning, he played the priest. Yes. Good job, baby. I'm so proud of you. Um, uh, The original Javert was Roger Allen in the London cast and the Broadway cast. It was Terrence Mann. You might remember the name Terrence Mann from when we talked about cats. Oh, he was the original Rum Tum Tugger. (gasps) Rum Tum Tugger. And I've actually met him. He's a very nice man. And I, I, he's very nice and I like him a lot. I have a picture of me with him. I'll put it up on our Twitter. Awesome. Um, Patti LuPone was the original Fontaine in London. Randy Graff was the original Fontaine in Broadway. Um, Judy Kuhn was the original Broadway uh, Cosette. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see who else is famous that people should know. Um, oh, Norm <laughs> Lewis was Javert in the Broadway revival in 2006. Ramin Karimloo is a pretty popular name. He was uh, Jean Valjean in 2014 Revival. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some of these names, but nobody else will know them, so I'm not listing them off. Um, Colm Wilkinson, Alfie Bow, 
Leia Salonga was Eponine at some point. She was the oh. uh, voice of voice of uh, Jasmine, singing voice of Jasmine and Mulan. I remember that from the last one. Yes, uh, Samantha Barks. Uh, so here's the fun fact about Leia Salonga. So this is just to show how like this musical grows. In the 10th anniversary edition, she played Eponine, and in the 25th anniversary edition, she played Fontaine. Ah, that's <laughs> which funny. I think is great. Um, and cute. also, like, same. There's a thing about Les Mis that I love is that, like, it's very, like, it's a musical that you can kind of, like, I've seen actors grow up in. So, like, Ramin Karamloo is another great example. In the 25th anniversary, he played Angeras, but then in, when it was revived in 2014, he played Valjean. Wow. That's Which, really cool. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, you can be a child actor playing Gavroche or, or, or Girl yeah, Cassette and then, like, and then wind up you know, being adult And then, like, cassette. 15 years later, you can play Angeros or Marius, and then another 15 years later, you can play Valjean or Thenardier or Javert. Well, it's Shakespearean like that. I guess you can use Les Mis as a metric of, like, the age of, a, of an actor by right. saying, like, oh, they're more of a Gavroche or they're more of uh, a Marius or they're more of a Valjean or a Javert. Right. It's like, like where how you, you can are say, in your development. Right, like how you could say in, you know, uh, terms of Shakespeare, you could say, like, oh, they're more of a Hamlet or they're more of, they're entering their Lear years. Right, you know I mean? exactly. Um, although I will say the choice to have Ramin Karamloo in the 2014, the second revival, the one that I told you was a little less well received by critics mm-hmm. um that choice was a little uh, people didn't like that very much because Why? he's like he just turned 40 this year okay so that oh, so means he was like in his 30s yeah and that's really young to play valjean right like valjean i mean like i think cole wilkinson was already like 50 when valjean has to be like daddy <laughs> Like, Valjean has to be, like, at daddy levels of being. Like sure. You can't have, like, you know, you can't have, like, that jogger down the street. Like, it has to be, like, daddy and then, like, elder statesman. Yeah, he was 41 when he played Valjean in London. And he was 43 when he played it on Broadway. So, like, he was already, you know, middle age. He was already daddy. Please don't. (laughs) (sighs) Listen, huge jacked man can be my dad any day. Oh, yeah. Dad, absolutely. I have have a long running fascination with asking Broadway performers to be my father. That's fine. They can be your dad, just not your daddy. Okay. Okay. Now... Someone is getting all defensive about the word daddy, even though last time you put up this big stink about how daddy's not. I am. I'm trying to bring back like I'm trying to revive it as a good thing. Bringing daddy back. Yeah. Bring daddy back. But also like baby. Oh, no, that's sad. Bring daddy back. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about how sad that was on Good Boys Girls, too. Mm -hmm. But Um, but um, also like baby. Yeah. Come on. What? Nothing. Hugh Jackman can be my dad. Hugh Jackman can be my dad any day. You can be my daddy. Thank you. Okay. Um, so uh, I guess that's it. I mean, is there anything else? I mean, they won a lot of awards. <laughs> we still have to talk about our favorite boy. 
You know the one I'm talking about. He's the guy from Australia. <laughs> Huge jacked man? No, oh. he's our favorite boy, but I'm talking about the other Australian boy okay, that we okay. love. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got to talk about the movie version now since that's your in on this. That's my in. All right, so let me, let me preface this by saying that I went and saw... The movie on opening on night, Christmas Day, which was Christmas Day. Yes, I, I got this. a group of friends together, and on Christmas Eve, we went to the movie theater at midnight and saw the movie, like the midnight premiere on Christmas. And Santa Day. was there, right? Yes, we had to go home and get to bed very quickly because Santa was going to fly over our house if we didn't. Right. Um, like the angel. And of here's death. the thing: it's a long movie. It's you know, two if and you a half actually, hours. If you paint lamb's blood on your door, it doesn't come. Okay, that's... <laughs> wow. Um, I don't even know what to say to that. So Russell Crowe oh, was cast God. in the role of Javert. So okay. when we... when when So I was wait, wait, more wait. in musical theater at this point. I still had not seen Les Mis. I was not familiar with the music. I think right. the only exposure was uh, Susan Boyle, basically, to, for me. Mm. Okay. Uh, to the whole ordeal. And my friend, right. uh, Rachel, is a huge shout out to my good friend, Rachel. Hi, um, Rachel. I hope you're listening to this. She's a huge musical theater nut. She was my in into theater and like chorus and everything in high school. Aww, and um, so she was really stoked about this. And when we heard, you know, about the cast coming out, she was like, Anne Hathaway, great. Uh, Hugh Jackman, great. Russell Crowe, I don't know. And um, yeah, lo and behold... <laughs> It was bad. It was bad. Here's the thing. Like, okay, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't think Russell Crowe's a bad actor. Or a bad singer. Like, yeah. just like in general. Yeah. I just but- think he, his portrayal of Javert, it's almost, here's what it was like. It's like he got the music really last minute and only took the time to wor- learn words and notes and didn't mm-hmm. take the time to think about like expression or word stress at all Mm -hmm. he just sang words and notes and he didn't make them mean anything and his only emotion was angry yeah like there was no like in music there are rules like word stress when i say that it's a thing like when we talk I stress certain words in my sentences mm-hmm. and like certain words have more emphasis and certain syllables of words have more emphasis than others. And there are like specific rules in music about word stress. And also there's the rule of the slur. Like the first note gets more accent than the second note does in a slur. And, you know, when you hold out a long note, you have to either crescendo or decrescendo, like get louder or get softer. You know, right. you can't just hold out a long note. Cause then it's just like, Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and like it's ugh. a lot. He just didn't yeah. do so any of that. So then we get wonderful moments like stars out, out in, the darkness. in the darkness. Yeah, like I just, I'm sure. I mean, like he was fine. You know, he wasn't terrible. It could have been worse. I just wish like the music director had spent a little more time with him. You know what I honestly think? Because he has a reputation as being very hard to work with. And I don't sure. want to like burn our bridges about getting Russell Crowe on the show. But you know what? Here We're I not, go. I would much rather have <laughs> Hugh Jackman than Russell Crowe. I would so. love to have huge jacked man oh on God, our show. Dad. Dad. Um, he, Dad, he come on the show. <laughs> he won't. 
Do it, you won't. Do it, you won't, huge jacked man. God, he would, though, is the thing. He would, he's so nice. The thing is he might, because he's the nicest boy. He's so nice. I I just want to be in a room with with Hugh Jackman and Neil Patrick Harris and just like compliment oh, each man. other. Oh. Just no, like a seriously. real positive party. I um yeah, right, a posy party. I mm. uh was on Facebook today and I came across a video of Anna Kendrick on um Trevor Noah. Uh-huh. Um and there was there was some so he does this thing called between the scenes which like when they cut to commercial he like takes questions from the audience and then they post the clips on facebook and youtube later mm-hmm. um and so there was this anna kendrick got interviewed and then she came out for between the scenes and he was like i've never had a guest like come back after we say goodbye to them but that's fine and so there was this lady in the audience and she goes okay first of all i want you to know that you're on my boyfriend's list and uh-huh. trevor noah had never heard of the list before and so, like, Anna Kendrick has to, like, explain to him what the list is about, like, when you're dating someone, you, there are five five people that, like, you're allowed to sleep with if the opportunity arose. Right. Um, and so she goes, okay, well, who's on your list? And the first person she lists is Hugh Jackman. And Hell Anna Kendrick, yes. without missing a beat, she goes, oh, he's a terrible person. What? And she goes, she goes, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The only reason I can say that is because he's literally the nicest person on the planet. And then oh, Trevor speaks God. up and he goes, no, seriously. And the worst part about it is that he's like Australian nice. So he's like extra nice. And he's like, oh, how you doing, mate? And it's like disgusting. I hate it. But he's so <laughs> nice. It was really funny. They oh, were, my God. They were talking. You about made like, my heart drop right there with that <laughs> delivery. I was like, no, no, dad. Yeah, no, she immediately backtracks and is like, no, seriously, the only reason I can make that joke is because he's literally the nice, like, he would take his shirt off and give it to you if you said you were cold. Like, he, he's he's dad. so nice. It's disgusting. God, what a good boy. I'm actually going to tweet at him right now. What? Yeah. You're tweeting at Hugh Jackman to come on our podcast now? Yeah. Why not? All right, f- it. Let's do it. Come on, Dad. Um, well, why don't we just do this before? Why don't we just wrap up before we start doing that? But sure. Um, thank you for listening to Tim Pan Diddly Do. Um, we are one of a number of podcasts on uh, Lunar Light Studio, the podcast network. Go to lunarlightstudio.com to check out our other shows, including Good Boys Girls, which is our Macroy uh, Brothers fan podcast. And um, my podcast, Snub Dove, is a comedy podcast, which will be releasing an episode at the end of this month. We've been on a bit of a hiatus recently because of some changes going on. But um, And also, your podcast is coming back this month as well. Mm-hmm. Ink Tank, uh, Ink an, Tank. An, uh, animated in, an enthusiast podcast for animated feature films. And also... We have um, more. We have new ones. Yeah. We have new friends joining us. About animated television shows, and starting next week is Netflix and Kill, which is uh two of I'm my really friends from college. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's gonna be. Um, they go through every horror movie on Netflix and watch and review it. So I, even the bad that ones. That sounds like just my kind of f-ing cup of tea. And we're also yeah. in talks with a couple of other podcasts. I don't want to mention them yet because yeah, uh, can't do that just yet. But. Um, we're in talk with a few other podcasts and so we're very excited about how this is growing and thank yeah. you all for your support. Um, please follow us on Twitter at Tin Pan Diddly Do. Um, or follow and, our uh, Lunar Light at Lunar Light HQ. 
Yes, or follow our personal Twitters at HeyStews, uh, H-A-Y-S-T-E-W-S, or at, um, Blue, at Space Blue Space Queen, Queen as it sounds. And um, yeah, uh, without further ado, I think we should exit stage left. Pursued by Bear. Come on, baby, no. <laughs> <laughs>